Welcome to Questions That Matter. This is a podcast of the C.S. Lewis Institute, and I'm your host, Randy Newman. My conversation partner today is Adam Ramsey, the lead pastor at Liberty Church on the Gold Coast in Australia. We're connecting, we're we're 117 hours apart, or so it feels. Uh, I'm in the (laughs) middle of the afternoon, he's early morning, it's just crazy. Adam, welcome to Questions That Matter. It's good to be with you, Randy. And I'm not just in the in the morning and, you, and you're in the afternoon. I'm in the future. I'm in tomorrow. So just for what that's worth. Yeah. Okay. And your book that you've written is about time and place. <laughs> so this is perfect. You, you've, you've started by confusing us. And um, I guarantee by the end of this podcast, people will be even more confused. No, um, you've written a really great book about time and place. It's called Faithfully Present. And the subtitle is really catchy for me, Embracing the Limits of Where and When God Has You. What, what, what motivated you to write this book? Well, I think a couple of things. Uh, it started with a curiosity, and then it continued with a struggle. And so here's what I mean by that. I originally had this idea of writing a book about time and place, uh, these two realities that really do, they haunt us. They, uh, they haunt us because they locate us and they mm. remind us we are not in charge here. Uh, we are creaturely. We are not God because time mm. is just moving past me or I'm moving through it, however, which way you want to look at that. And mm. place, place grounds me, quite literally. Place locates me and reminds me of how not omnipresent I am despite the illusions technology gives us of being in more than one place at one time. And so I wanted to do a bit of a biblical, playful, theological reflection on these two things of of time and place that remind us of our humanity. And then uh, as as I started to write it out, uh, a couple of years ago, my wife had a a really, really significant uh, injury to, uh, to one of the COVID vaccines. And, oh. and she's been uh, incredibly sick for the last two years. Uh, there's oh. no real cure in sight. And so oh. for us, it's been living in a season where we're learning to come back to uh, something that Wendell Berry said. And I, I quoted at the beginning of the book, and it's become a, a little bit of a, a mantra, for lack of a better word, around our house these last couple of years, which is we live the given life, not the planned. We live the given life, not the planned. And yeah. so we've been in that space of just learning to receive the time we are in and the place that we are in, uh, even in a hard season of life. What does it look like to be attentive to God, to one another, to the people around us, to the place that we are in that locates us, even when we're in times and places that maybe we don't want to be in? And so the book really comes out of those two realities, a curiosity and, uh, and an ongoing struggle that we're still walking through. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm sorry about the, the suffering That's, um, that, that, that puts your book in, a, in a, a deeper light for me, if I can say it that way. Um, hmm. um, well, so um, say a little bit more about your choice of the word embracing, because I mean, when I first started looking at your book and about time and place, by the way, uh, these are two struggles for me um, because I, I, I regularly jump ahead to the future. That's my mindset. 
And so staying present is a challenge for me. Um, um, so, you know, as I started thinking about what you're, what you're talking about in your book, I, I, I thought, yeah, I need to accept the limits, but no, no, you, you use the word embracing the limits. So you're pushing me further. It's a very uncomfortable podcast already. I'm, I'm very disturbed by this, but so what, why did you go with embracing? Well, I think all of us struggle to be fully present. Uh, mm. we, we can get trapped in the memories, uh, the nostalgia, the good old days of our past and, and yeah. want to live in a pastime. Uh, we, we can, we can lament the fact that, that we age, that we move through seasons of life, that our kids grow up, that our energy levels change, all those things There can be a sense of grief that comes with that as we're reminded that once again, we're creaturely, uh, or like you just mentioned, we can, we can want to live up further along than where we are. And I think that's, I mean, every kid wishes they were a big kid and every big kid wishes they were a teenager and every teenager wishes they were a grown up. And then every every 20 something year old wishes they had their parents money and and security (laughs) and could afford a house and whatever else there. And then we get older and we go, man, I wish I could be a kid again. And so we're always the temptation, (laughs) the temptations to always live in a place and live in a time that's not our present place uh, and our present time. And, and I think that so many of the the anxieties and the problems and the fears that that we have comes from us trying to get rid of something that Jesus didn't want to get rid of, but Jesus himself embraced. And that's why I use that word there in the subtitle, mm-hmm. Jesus yeah. embraced humanity. And often we're trying to rid ourselves of humanity. So we need to go further than just mm. merely accepting our humanity and the limits that come with that humanity. And we need to learn, like Jesus, to, to embrace our humanity. Jesus, I mean, John 1, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us full mm. of grace and truth. Yeah. And so I would say that when we learn to move past, when, when we stop seeing our humanity through this Gnostic lens of, hey, let's just get rid of that. And when we remember that that God has created our our embodied lives in a tangible created world that really does locate us, we're going to now receive these these limits of time and place, uh, not just obstacles to endure, but as vehicles for our sanctification and our growth and and even our joy uh, in the godness of God and in us being made in His image. So, mm. and even let me just say this, even yeah. think about the fact that one day, like eternal life isn't going to be this disembodied, ethereal, let's get rid of our humanity. No, it's going to be a glorified humanity in a glorified right. creation and world. And the resurrection mm. of Jesus is going to come down upon us and the whole created order. And so that reminds us, like, there's coming a day where time as we know it is going to be unlimited and place Mm. as we know it is going to be uncursed. And so we we live in the limits now, knowing that the fullness of those realities is still on the way. Well said, well said. And, and, you know, there, there is a freedom that comes with, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to use the word embracing these limits Mm. But, but rather than seeing them as limits is embracing these specifics 
that God has chosen to put us in. So, but but there is a but there is a a, a, a headwind I think at us because our culture wants to talk about fame more. Look at how big this person's ministry is. Look at how many copies of his book have sold. Look at how he's been to so many places, and and. That's oppressive, by the way, because unless you've been everywhere and you've talked to all of the 8 billion people on the planet, um, uh, you fall short. Whereas, no, this is where he's placed me and this is the time. Uh, And so let me embrace it and enjoy it and be the best possible steward. There's something energizing about that rather than stifling. Absolutely. We remember what the psalmist said uh, in Psalm 31, uh, my my times are in your hands. And that's a remarkable phrase. Mm. Uh, not just my mm. time as a whole, but the times within that time, uh, mm. each of the seasons that make up that time, each of they are mm. in your hands. And so I've got it here on the screen in front of me, Psalm 31, 14, but I trust in you, O Lord. And that's the battle is learning to receive and trust God's godness in every season mm. and place of life that we mm. find ourselves in. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. And mm. so when we, if we think this life is all there, there is, and even as believers, we don't believe that, but functionally we can live that way. And we can live as mm. if if we don't get to this or, or or accomplish that or whatever it is, then somehow we're missing out, and somehow our lives have fallen short of some some standard that we've made for ourselves. That's more of a reflection of a a, a godless worldview of hey, just you know, YOLO, you only live once, so just make the most of every single moment because it's all going to go away eventually. But we actually, as believers, know. Uh, this is this is the prelude, and the time that we're in matters, but it's not. It's pointing to something beyond itself, mm-hmm. and there mm-hmm. is there is a new creation. There is life with God in ages to come, and when we actually make peace with that, we we actually remember. Okay, now I can be faithfully attentive to the things that God has said actually matter, attentive to him, love for him, attentive to one another, love for neighbor, uh, attentive to the place we inhabit, uh, that particular place, which again, we, we those are the three things in in Eden uh, that, that uh, Zach Eswine does a great job of pointing this out in his book, The Imperfect Pastor. Uh, love for God, love for others in a place that is a great life. And so we need to learn to redefine greatness even. Uh, to what God says is a great thing. People won't be surprised to hear me say I love C.S. Lewis. My favorite C.S. Lewis book is The Screwtape Letters, which tells you something about me. My favorite of The Screwtape Letters is Letter 15, where he talks about time. And um, Mm. he says, uh, the humans live in time, but our enemy, God, destines them to eternity. He, therefore, I believe, wants them to attend chiefly to two things— to eternity itself, and to that point of time which they call the present. For the present Mm. is the point at which time touches eternity. That has to be one of the most thought-provoking sentences I've ever puzzled over. The present is that point that touches eternity. And your 
um, musings about time and place in your book remind me of that. Um, say more about, you have a whole chapter about uh, Kronos and Kairos. Yeah. Um, talk yeah. about that a little bit. What What's the difference and why do we need to have a, a good handle on both of those? Well, I think the first thing I need to say is I'm a little upset we didn't have this conversation a year and a half ago when I wrote this book, because that's a great quote uh, by C.S. Lewis, and I wish I included it now. <laughs> that is that is beautiful. Um, can, you, can you say one more time, just so I can riff on that? Sure, but, but you really don't want to quote Lewis too much, because then... Because see, but then people get more amused or amazed at his writing than yours, so you don't want that. But <laughs> no, no, that's going to okay, happen yeah, anyways. I, will, I will read it again. <laughs> um, well, so you remember, this is you know this is Screw Tape, and he's trying to mess up this Christian, and he's trying to get him to be a mess and to to be far away from God. And so what he's saying is that we as tempters, we want to get the humans to either be caught up with the future or the past, but not yeah. the present. So he precedes this before. He said, um, you know, do we, are we trying to decide between the future or the past? He said, well, tortured fear and stupid confidence are both desirable states of the mind for us, for the tempters. But then he says, the humans mm -hmm. live in time, but our enemy destines them to eternity. He, therefore, I believe, wants them to attend chiefly to two things, to eternity itself and to that point of time, which they call the present, for the present is the point at which time touches eternity. Yeah, that's the line. Oh, I like that. Uh, so for me, that is when I'm when I'm not jumping ahead to the future or remembering back nostalgically about the past. I'm staying in the present. That's when it seems that God is most real to me. Because he's here right now, right in this moment. Whereas in the future, it's like, well, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, is he going to come through for me? And in the past, it's, well, am I really remembering it right or whatever? But in the present, here he is right here, right now, blessing. Jesus is praying for Here, Adam, J Jesus is yeah, praying yeah. for our podcast right now. It, yeah, yeah. That, that's wonderful. It's amazing. Anyway, I should let you talk. <laughs> well, no, it, it, I, I love the idea there of this that that point there where eternity breaks into the present. Uh, that's, I mean, the, the Greeks had two words for time. There was chronos, which is clock time, quantified time, the measured sense of the ticking and sequence of events throughout, you know, lived existence. And then there's kairos, uh, and, and kairos isn't about clock time or quantified time. It's about the right time. Uh, mm, or we could even mm. use the word ripeness, uh, like a ripe mango or a, uh, the, the, uh, a ripeness, the fullness of a moment. That's just the perfect moment infused with life and light and joy and, and a sense of this is the way things are meant to be. I mm. think those moments where we experience the present and, and more than just the present, we experience God in the present, we're yes. getting a foretaste of the fullness of life that's still coming our way. And so even one way we can maybe stop thinking about eternal life uh, incorrectly is we often think of eternal life purely through the lens of chronos, of life that just doesn't end, life that's unpunctuated by death. 
And that's a great oh. thing. But mm-hmm. I think eternal life, or again, ripeness, fullness of life is more than that. It, it's it's not just unending sequence of events, but it's perpetual fullness, kairos, ripeness that that doesn't diminish but only ever increases in our 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 experience of present time in eternity future. So I love that thought now of the present is eternity breaking in. It's the kingdom of God breaking in in very, very real ways. And what we're learning each day is to be attentive to that and to know that there is so much of God's glory and God's goodness that we're surrounded by every single day if we'll be willing to not rush past it and to be attentive to what matters in those moments. Are you ready to grow in your faith? Well, here's a resource that could help you on your spiritual journey. We call it Journey. Uh, It is a nine-month small group program designed to help you become a better grounded disciple of Jesus Christ who faithfully follows and actively serves God. Each week, you'll grow through Bible readings and short assignments with Uh, world-class teachers. We've put together uh, these resources for you. They're very accessible. And through the journey adventure, you can discover the same joy and power that the early disciples experienced as they followed Jesus. So if you're ready to get started, um, may it be that God would be with you as you explore that. Here's a link. You'll want to go to our website, cslewisinstitute.org slash journey hyphen sign up. I sure hope you got that. Let me repeat it. cslewisinstitute.org slash journey hyphen sign up. Hmm. You know, you, you, you just, um, <clears throat> you touched on uh, gratefulness or gratitude or being thankful in the moment. I think that that's... Um, that's a very, very helpful moment by moment discipline of being grateful for this, this very thing here, this, this moment, the time of day, the amount of sunshine, the whatever. Um, can you give us, can you give us some more, if, if I can jump ahead to practical tips, how do we, how do we practice yeah. this kind of, faithful presence. Look, I think gratitude is so key. Uh, And another way we could talk about that is the language Paul uses around contentment. And he talks about it in Philippians 4. He goes, I've learned the secret of contentment. I know how to abound and I know how to be brought low. He's saying, I know how to be in a season of life where everything is just incredible. And I know how to be in a season of life where I'm getting beat up, put in jail, Mm. betrayed, everything going sideways for me. And he goes, Mm. I can do all things, either abounding or being brought low through Christ who strengthens me. And Mm. that sense, there's two things there. I think one is gratitude, like you said, and two is living out of a sense of our union that we have with Christ. Hmm. That he is with us in every, not even just in every where, but in every when of our lives. And there's never going to be a time or a place that he is not in the life of the believer. And that includes our, our present moment. It includes our future. 
So there's so all of our anxieties that worry, what about this? What about that? We're usually imagining a future absent of the presence of Jesus. Whereas like he <laughs> said, I will be with you always, even good, to the good, end good. of age. So hmm. so I think when we learn to to practice living out of our union with Christ, that's where a lot of the gratitude will flow from. And so mm. practically, you asked me that question. I, I'd recommend three things. And I have a chapter in the book around pauses, uh, learning yeah. to yeah. to take those sailor or, or sila moments there where we we stop and reflect and give thanks. We're, we're, we're being thoughtful now about the time that we have in our lives. And there's three ways that I try to practice uh, those kinds of pauses. Uh, there's the daily, there's the weekly, and there's the strategically throughout the year. So real quick, daily, uh, I have a couple of reminders in my phone, three in fact, at the end of the morning, at the end of the afternoon, and at the end of the evening, uh, and I'll just have a little reminder come up in my phone that says Selah, uh, which for me, I understand to mean pause and reflect. It's that word nice. we see throughout the Psalms. Yeah. And, yeah and what it lets me do is it lets me break my day down into manageable moments, the morning, the afternoon, and the evening. And to at the end of each of those, just take even if it's a minute or a couple of minutes to just pause, to to stop speaking, to reflect, to give thanks for what was, to confess my need, to confess sin, to 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 come to Jesus again and remember He is with me through the morning and He will be with me through the rest of the day to come. And it's just a little reminder that that reorients me to my union with Christ, uh, in that lived reality of my union with Christ. Mm. Um, so I have sila moments throughout the day there. The second one is practicing Sabbath rest. Uh, and, and there's so much we could say about this, but, but just that principle of a 24-hour period of time that we carve out in the week to not so much be producing, but to receive life, uh, to mm. worship, to give thanks, to to eat good food, to pray, to read our Bibles, to enjoy creation, to 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 enjoy the best of our friendships and relationships and, and things that we have with our spouses or children in this world, and to simply abide uh, in God the Creator and in the good creation that He's put us in, uh, knowing that I am not, and this is another Wendell Berry thing, I am not a machine. Uh, and the great temptation for the future, Berry writes, is that we will either live as machines or we will live as creatures, and we've got to decide which one we're going to live as. Uh, so I, I know I'm not a machine, and I need to embrace creatureliness by resting, uh, and by resting mm. first and foremost in God. Uh, and then strategically throughout the year, I, I practice and I encourage Christians, and I know it will look different in every life stage of our lives, but to try and find a way to strategically withdraw, uh, whether it's uh, for a day or a couple of days, to just mm. simply get away from your normal rhythms of life and mm. be alone with God. And and this is Jesus going up the mountain to spend time with the Father, uh, to pray, mm. to, to seek the Father's face, to withdraw from the crowds for the sake of re-entering meaningfully into ministry amongst the crowds and amongst the relationships that mark so much of life. And so learning to see solitude and silence uh, as, as part of the spiritual disciplines that we can cultivate, uh, and this is what some of the, uh, the, the Desert Fathers talked about, was solitude isn't so much just being alone, it's being alone with God. 
Um, silence isn't just the absence of words. It's meditating on God's words. Uh, mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when we frame it in that sense, it's not just this kind of, you know, ascetic life. It's, it's a sense of communion, once again, of being mm-hmm. faithfully present, first to God, then to others, and then to the places that we live in. Oh man, I, I love your I love your phrase of these sila moments. Um, <clears throat> so you're right; that word shows up in a bunch of the Psalms, and it's it's meant to be a a statement of pause here. Don't keep reading. Stop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think some people think that it may have been also a cue for the musician to play a little bit on the lute yeah. or the harp or something before yeah. you go on with the words. Just um uh meditate on I love that. I love that idea. Sila moments. Um Yeah. Um you know, I've been I've been um uh, uh, sort of took I took up this hobby of photography a little while ago and um uh, first of all, there's something really fun about the fact that I'm not trying to succeed. I'm not trying to get famous for my photos. I'm I'm I I People get tired of looking at them rather than, hey, let me show you. No, never mind. Um, so I'm doing it for <laughs> enjoyment. But there's a there's a, a skill uh, that I need to develop and that when you go to photography workshops, it's you stare at things more intently and you look and is this mm. the angle I want to take the picture or is this the angle? Or is, is, it a, is it a wide angle shot or is it a zoomed in shot? And notice where the light that. is coming yeah. from. And so it's forced me, even when I'm not taking pictures, just to be more visually aware. And it's had also a kind of a spiritual effect of just being more aware of God is here and he's in the midst of this circumstance and um, yeah, so it's the visual that is pushing me in that direction, the way you're also saying about um, silence and quiet and rhythms. I, I, I love this. This is great. Say more. But give us another couple of maybe one or two practical tips in this. Yeah. So, so and I, I love that you do that. I mean, I'm no photographer. My oldest daughter, she's a, she's a great photographer. Uh, it's mm. one of her hobbies. And, and again, that habit that you said there, what it does is it's, it's teaching attentiveness, which really is another way of saying faithful presence, attentiveness, yeah. Uh, yeah. being attentive to the light, being attentive to the colors and the movements and the shades and the, 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 the macro level and the micro level of things. And Randy, I think that's what a worshipful life looks like, is we're being, hmm. we're not just blurred hurried and blurred through our life, but we're mm. walking at the pace of the spirit through our days, being attentive to what God has for us in each of those days uh, with the people and the created world that we live in. So I would, another little habit, I guess I try to do, and and uh, this is just one for me, so people can take it or leave it. I try to make it a point to not uh, be doing anything in those moments where the sun's going down. And that'll change oh. depending on the time of the year. Uh, but for me, that's a moment that really grounds me in my creatureliness and deepens in me a sense of awe and wonder and a healthy slowing down towards the end of the day and the beginning of the evening is I'll try to just, wherever I am, stop and just, because you only get like 10 
to 20 minutes maybe of where the colors come into the sky mm. and the reds and the orange and the pinks and 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 it's all now changing and it's this this kind of sacred moment and there's no two sunsets exactly alike and the way the clouds Ooh. interact there and for me to just just stop at the end of the day and to watch the colors in the sky change and mm. to let my heart just God through that. And if I'm with someone to invite them into that, of like, hey, just stand here with me. And I'm just standing there like an idiot looking into the sky, but enjoying <laughs> what God is doing in that moment. And it's a it's a chance to pause, uh, be still, and give thanks for the day that was. And so that's that's a little personal one is I'll try to drink in the colors uh, every evening. I love it. I love it. You're changing my calendar tremendous, tremendously. This is great. <laughs> you know, um, you know. Years ago, um, uh, my, my wife and I, and my brother and his wife, got to have a vacation in Hawaii. Uh, one of his friends oh, yeah. owned yeah. this house and let us use this house for free. And and we got there, and there was like this little book there of you know. Uh, you know, uh, insights about the island and where we were, uh, you know, the restaurants to go to, the grocery store that was worth going to and, you know, different nice places to go hiking. But then he had a whole entire page of a list of the best places to watch the sunset. And I love that. we thought, wow, I mean, a whole page of this. And sure enough, he was right. I mean, we, we went to the first one the first night and said, okay, we are doing this every night. We were coming and sure enough, I mean, big, big crowds of people would come and, you know, they set up their chairs and they would just stop. And and there was sort of a little bit of a party atmosphere beforehand. So people had drinks and they're talking and chatting. But then yeah. when it got to the time when the sun was getting low, it was just perfect silence and everybody just mm. stood there. And when the, the sun finally dipped below the horizon, people burst into applause. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> I love that. I love this. I, so your idea, I, I, I got to do this. And uh, now, I mean, Austin, Texas is not Hawaii and it's not the, the, the gold coast. Is that what you call it of Australia? It's one that's, of the most yeah, that's right. beautiful that's exactly places right. in the world. Yeah. So, so you're watching your sunsets there. Well, wait a minute. Wouldn't you be watching more your sunrises? Um, they're probably so, all well, depends. Gorgeous. Yeah, so the sunrise coming up over the ocean, and then the sun sets over the hills and the hinterland behind oh, us. But listen, I mean, I was in Dallas a couple of weeks ago, which you know, not too far from you, and yes. there was some stunning sunsets. I mean, just some yeah. of the reds in that Texas sky uh, <laughs> as as the as the day ended and the evening began was breathtaking. So, and that's the thing is it's different everywhere in the world. There's different colors and beauty in those moments. And the point of it, I think is to remind us of this is God's world. And yeah. we are, we have been yeah. gifted with the life that we have. And we've been gifted with this incredible gift called today. And mm. no one is promised tomorrow. We may or may not receive that gift. God is gracious and he gives us many tomorrows. But what we have right now is today. And the sunset for me is a marker that reminds me today has been a gift. Thank you, God, for this gift. Oh, I love that. I love that. That is so helpful, man. Well, um, 
I, I think that's I think that's a good place for us to draw this to a close. Although I'd want to talk for for hours and hours. Let, here, maybe this is a bad way to end. Uh, this could be trouble. We could edit this out. Um, <laughs> did you did uh, do you have to wrestle with? Do you wrestle? Have you ever wrestled with? If I'm going to do these things, it it means I'm going to accomplish less. I mean, if you're taking 20 minutes out of your day every day just to look at the sunset, you're writing fewer books. Um, you're reading sure. fewer sure. books. It Was that ever a struggle? Um, it, it would almost seem to me that maybe it was a struggle, but then it was like, oh, that's okay. It's God. All right. I, a release. Or is it a struggle? I don't know. Is that for you? Uh, Randy, it was a struggle. It is a struggle. It will be forever ah. a struggle until okay. Jesus comes back and removes all struggle. And mm. and I think it's, you know, I think it was Luther who was quoted as saying, it's the same concept as, um, I have so much work to do, I have to pray for two hours this morning. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But also, yeah. um, th- there's a reality where the kind of person that I'm going to be uh each day of my life and at the end of my life is shaped by the way that I spend time. Again, that's why we, we use even the, the, the language of spending time. Time is the yes. currency of life. It right. is precious to us. That's why we try to save as much time as we can. And it's why we spend it. But if I'm <laughs> going to spend time, I need to spend it in a way that matters and yeah. so much of the busyness of what the world tells me this is the mattering life actually doesn't matter as much as some of the other overlooked things. Hmm, and, and what good. I've learned from being a pastor for the last nearly 20 years now is hmm. that when people are, are dying and they're coming to the final moments of their time <clears throat> and they're, they're, they're thinking back on the days and the years that God gave them they're generally not thinking about how much they accomplished. Uh, they're generally not thinking about uh, how how much like achievement and and degrees and uh, they're they're not usually thinking about their vocation in the sense of oh I could have put in some some more effort there in my work or things like that. Mm-hmm. What they're usually thinking about is is the people, uh, the state of yeah. the relationships that they have, the state of their own soul. And that relationship they have before God. And when we slow down, and I used a phrase before on purpose, when we slow down enough to live at the Spirit's pace in yeah. our days, yeah, that's a uh, good phrase. we might get less done in uh, the, the less boxes ticked off, perhaps, right. but we will find ourselves becoming more Christ-like, more attentive, more mm. peaceful, and <laughs> uh, and if we look at the life of Jesus, never once do we see Jesus in a hurry. Like there's yeah. not a single scripture where Jesus is rushed and hurried and frenetic mm. trying to yeah. get more done. In fact, if anything, there's moments where he surprises us with his slowness. 
And he surprises right. us with like, hey, Lazarus is dead. All right, I'll be there in a few days. And he gives <laughs> no reason why he delays, right? And 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 right. when he's on his way to to heal heal the the, the little girl uh, who's sick, and and he's getting stopped along the way, and a woman touches his robe, and 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 she's got the issue with blood, and and he's like, who who touched me? And Peter's like, everyone's touching you. What are you talking about, Jesus? And Jesus stops from going to the other thing to be attentive to what was happening there in that moment with this one woman. And I think what Jesus is showing us that when we walk at the Spirit's pace, we're going to see the even the interruptions that happen along the way as part of God's good design for teaching us to be present to the time and times and places that we find ourselves in and to realize that our plan isn't His plan. And it doesn't mean we can't have a plan. But his plan is the one that is the life we do live, not the life we think we ought to live. And that's really what the whole book is about, learning to yeah. make peace with that and to live the given life and not necessarily the planned life. Mm. Oh, well said, well said. Um, well, let's bring this to a close as much as that's painful for me, <laughs> but I need to go watch a sunset <laughs> soon. Um, uh, my, <laughs> Good my guest has been Adam Ramsey. Uh, his his book is called Faithfully Present. Uh, it's really really insightful. If you if you enjoyed listening to what he's had to say, um, you'll want to dig into this book. Um, I'll put links on the show notes, of course. Um, we'll I, I think we'll even try to connect to your church so people can get a little more of an idea of your everyday ministry. And uh, let me tell our, our invite our listeners to check out resources that we have on our website, cslewisinstitute.org. Uh, we hope that this, that all of our resources, this podcast, all of our resources, help you live faithfully present, embracing um, the limits of where God has placed you in the here and now. Thanks.